Okay, let's stop here. So, alhamdulillah, one of the reasons why I wanted to do this exercise was to just get us to actually, A, um, just kind of get to know everyone around us. Seems like everybody knows each other, so there's a little bit about the mutual and whatnot here. But at the same time, the other thing also is, um, what I'm going to do today, guys, in my presentation, is I'm going to walk you through a process of thinking about this. So I was asked to speak about this topic. What I want to do is I want to give you a kind of a window into my own mind. So what happened when Ali called me and said, can you please come and speak at UWA on friendship? So what I'm going to do is I'm going to set a timer here. And that timer is going to be for, let's say about 30 odd minutes, right? And, Bismillah. So, let's begin. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen wa sallallahu ala Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam tasliman kathira. Allahumma la ilma lana illa ma'allamtana innaka antal alimun hakeem. اللهم علمنا ما ينفعنا وانفعنا بما علمتنا وزدنا علما وعملا متقبلا برحمتك يا أرحم الراحمين. Okay, Bismillah. One of the things you you must have noticed, um, I began with a few Arabic words. Bismillah, Alhamdulillah, Amir al-Dua. One wonders why do you do that? Well, you don't do that in university lectures. You don't do that at work. Maybe you might do it silently, but generally speaking, you wouldn't do that aloud. Why here? Why now? Right. And this is what I kind of drew up. If, if you look, look at this, I mean, just the title, Maiwa. Muslim Youth of Western Australia. We're all West, West Australians here in Perth. Not all of us are young. Maybe that's another thing that makes us different. But really what makes us unique, what gives us our identity, is this M word, Muslim, Islam. That means something. And at the core of what that means is that there is something called the unseen world, ghayb. And our minds have no ability to perceive that realm. So God, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, over time, sends messengers. He sends rusul, anbiya, this wahi, wahi is revelation. Right? To guide us. Guide us. Guidance is the key term here. So, a few things. Muslims, who are they? The people who believe in the unseen. Right? And I just explained what that is. And they, who, what are they seeking? Why do they believe in that? Because, they, because in that knowledge, in the books, in the messengers, there is what you call guidance. Hudan. Great guidance. Guidance entails that you're on a path, you're going somewhere, and you want to know where you're going, right? So, when we come to events like this, when we're asked to talk about friendship, if you think about it, all of us can speak about this topic. I'm sure we can, and I encourage you to. But why here, why now? Why at a my why event? Because we're seeking guidance. What kind of guidance? Guidance from revelation, guidance from messengers about what, let's say, friendship means. The physical universe has laws, right? So Newton, you know, talks about them, gravity. Einstein, he talks about quantum physics. He's also, they describe physical reality. Likewise, Quran, 
the Sunnah, the Prophets, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala describes laws of the unseen world. For example, take one. If you're grateful, in shakartum, la in shakartum, right? If you're grateful, azidannakum, I will increase you. This is a law of the unseen world. How you maybe you could use your mind to you to come to that conclusion. But Allah tells you about that, right? In a similar way, the topic that we're talking about today, friendship. You want to understand why it's significant? Allah and His Messenger left us with guidance on this too. Right? And this point here is quite critical because as Muslims, there's something different about us. What's that? We, we have nisbah, we have a connection, we have an affiliation to Sayyidina Muhammad right? and all the Prophets by extension. So, what I'm going to do today is I'm also going to answer those questions. And I'm just going to answer them in my way. And I, part of what I'm trying to do is I want you guys to think in a similar way for yourselves. And see how a believer would, with the light of revelation, with the guidance that the Prophet came with, think about concepts like this. Right? So one of the things that the Prophet told us about in, uh, and, and we, all, we, should, we, we would all have come across this at some point. He said, So the reality, the true nature, uh, the real weight of actions is by their intention. Right? So intending, you know, having a purpose behind what moves you is really important. And, and so I reflected over this. So this is my intention. This is why I'm here. I intend to remind myself and everyone here Learn, practice, and share something about the guidance of Allah and His Messenger وسلم, on what real friendship actually means. Real meaning of things is something that the creator of that thing can tell you. And the real meaning of life, the real meaning of all these abstract concepts, something that truly Allah and His Messenger can tell you about and tell me about. So I want to come, I want to share all of that, what it means and why it's important. I've also come to make more friends. So um, if I haven't met you before, please don't hesitate to come and say salams and learn more from you as well. So hopefully, as I said, I'm going to present. I'm a human being, right? So I can't cover everything. My, I'm a fallible person. So, but the things that I know, the things I feel are important, the, the things that you know, my teachers have shared with me, I, I will share that with you. Um, and then I'd like to learn from you too. And hence the conversation and Q&A at the end. And specifically about what our context is, yes, I grew up here, um, you know, I probably faced some of the same challenges that you did. But all of us are colored by our own experiences, and I'd like to hear from you too. And by the end of this presentation, by the end of the 30-40 minutes that I have with you, I also intend to share with all of you the kind of work I'm involved in in our community, and um, how we can continue learning from each other, inshallah. Alright, bismillah. So, the second question, the nature of friendship. The meaning of friendship. Uh, I, when I was <laughs> thinking about the, the subtitle, Ali and I were going back and forth about this. But, subhanAllah, I was thinking about a couple of hadiths. And one of them was about the idea of being with the one that you love in the hereafter. We'll talk about it when we come to it later on in the, in, in the presentation. But really, if you want to summarize the idea of friendship in Islam, it's about being with the one you love. And here, one is in capital letters as well, because in reality, the one, al-ahad, 
ahad, qul huwallahu ahad is only Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So being with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and being with his creation through Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So really like being with people, being present with people, being friends with people for the sake of Allah. We'll talk about, about what that means as well. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the Quran, he says, right? Surely innama is adatul hasr, as they say in Arabic, which is essentially an instrument of like it means only, right? Only the believers, ikhwatun, are actually brothers. Is brotherhood, sisterhood. So mend what is between the two brothers, between you, between each other. Consciousness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so that you may, uh, may be given mercy. So on the bottom here, generally speaking, when we read Revelation, you refer to tafsir. What is tafsir? Tafsir essentially is a, is, is a discipline which seeks to preserve the understanding of the companions, the Prophet, because the Qur'an came, but it has a meaning, right? So the explanation of that. So the Mufassirun, they say, this is an explanation here, innama lil hasar, innama is for constriction, it's for making it only. It is as if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying, la ukhuwata illa Like, it's as if Allah is saying, there is no brotherhood except between people of Iman, like in reality. So one aspect is blood brothers, right? That's what human beings associate with the idea of brotherhood. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is telling us real brotherhood, true huwa, true companion, true, like that bond is through iman. And then it is as if wala ukhuwata bayna mu'minin wa kafir. And that bond actually doesn't exist between someone who has iman and someone who doesn't have iman. So it's something that is grounded in Iman. And in this ayah, there's there's an indication here that the brotherhood of Islam is actually stronger than the brotherhood of uh, Nasab, which is kinship. I want to share a story. This story is present in hadith books. It's also mentioned in a book called Hidyatul Awliya. And it's, it's actually a story of a tabi'ah. So a tabi'ah is someone that came after the companions, right? And he was in Damascus. And the Prophet وسلم, after passing away, and, and whilst he was alive too, not every sahabi, not every companion was a teacher. He, he had specific companions who were teachers, and they went to teach people. One of them was Sayyiduna Mu'adh ibn Jabal radiallahu ta'ala anhu. Um, who's buried in, in present-day Jordan. This is about a tabi' who met him, who met him in Damascus. So he says, So I entered a mosque in uh, Damascus, in Syria, modern-day Syria, Sham. So he says, I, and I came upon a young man and says he, he had bright teeth and, and it's mentioned here that he was smiling, smiling. Someone who's smiling, right, with joy. And there were people around him. So he was popular, right? So he was smiling and, and there was people around him. 
If people had differences, if they were confused about something, if they were trying to kind of, you know, you know, if they had differences, they would go up to him and ask him, you know, they would rely on him for his advice. فَسَأَلْتُ عَنْهُ So I kind of asked about him. Who's this man? Why is he so, why is everybody around him? فَقِيل So it was said, هَذَا مُعَاذِ بْنِ جَبْلِ This man is Mu'adh bin Jabal, the companion of the Prophet. فَلَمَّا كَانَ الْغَدُ هَجَّرْتُ فَوَجَدْتُهُ قَدْ سَبَقَنِي بِالْحَجِيرِ Right? وَمَعْنَ ذَلِكَ أَنَّهُ وَقْتٌ بَعِيدٌ عَنْ صَلَاةِ فَقْضٍ قَبْلَهُ وَوَقْتُ نَوْمِ النَّاسِ غَالِبًا So he says, the next day, I, I tried to kind of find him at a time where people generally are sleeping, um, a little bit before, before Salah time, but I found that he was praying. Right? He was praying at that time. So he says, فن, uh, then he says, I waited. So until he finished his salah, So I came in front, uh, in front of him. So I said salams to him and I said to him, Allah. And when I read this, um, I knew the hadith, but I didn't know the context. When I read this, it really made me smile because what he's about to say to Mu'ad, the Prophet said to Mu'ad. Um, the Prophet said this to Mu'ad. Anhu as well. So this tab, he says, and this kind of shows us, you know, it's a side point. But generally speaking, the way you generally are with people, it comes around to you in some way, shape, or form. And um, so this man, he says, Wallahi, by God, inni la uhibbuka fillah. Like, I really love you for the sake of Allah. There's emphasis in this, in the Arabic. Faqal. So then Mu'ad said, Allahi, like, like by Allah. And, and then Faqultu, the tab, says, Allahi. By Allah. He said, Allah. By God. He said, Allah. I really, by God. So he says that he grabbed me by my cloth. He pulled me towards him. So he pulled him towards himself. And he says, Like he says, Abshir, you know, be happy, glad tidings to you. Bushra. So listening to the words of the Prophet brings happiness to the heart. Says the Prophet, he said, وسلم, I heard him say this. He used to say, Wajabat mahabbati. This is the hadith. And this is a hadith Qudsi, which means that the Prophet وسلم, is narrating this to us from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It's not part of the Quran. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he says on the authority of the Prophet, وسلم, Wajabat mahabbati lil he says, my love becomes realized for those that love each other for my sake. Fiya. Wajabat mahabbati lil mutajalisina fiya. My love becomes realized for those who sit with each other for my sake. For nothing else besides me. Wajabat mahabbati lil mutabadilina fiya. And it becomes realized for those people that strive just for me. And wajabat mahabbati lil mutazawirina fiya, and it becomes realized for those people that visit each other for my sake. And similar to the Quran, you, you look at the um, commentaries on the hadith, and, and they said that one of the greatest qualities that makes you makes Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala pleased with someone is loving for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Surprisingly enough, and, and this is this is interesting, the word, the root word, even for friendship in English. Is it means to love, right? And and and, and uh, this is so one of the 
So I asked one of my teachers about when I was preparing for this, what should I speak about? And, and he, he also reminded me of this. He said, um, sometimes people think to get closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you need to do a lot of dhikr, you need to do a lot of praying, you need to be reading the Quran all the time, and you, know, you have to really work hard. There's no doubt about that. There's absolutely no doubt about that. You have to strive against yourself. But one of the quickest ways to, to get close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is to love others for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Right? So what does it mean? What does this mean, loving someone for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? People, it's a very good question. And oftentimes, like, you know, high school students ask this question. I've been asked this question before. And, and here it is. It says, uh, Loving someone for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala means So it's completely free of any selfish motives. It's completely selfless. You don't, you, you, you don't, you know, you don't want something from that person. Why? Because that something is with Allah. It rests with Allah. It rests in God, right? It's that, that's what it means to be with someone, like be present with someone for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then, um, right? Uh, yeah. So this is for completely the being of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So, and then he explains, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that my love becomes realized for those who love each other for, for my sake, they are those whose hearts come together in the love of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, right? Out of his majesty, out of a, a kind of recognition of his majesty. They love that which Allah loves. So if Allah loves someone, they love that person. If Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's wrath descends on something, they flee from that, right? And they love through the sake of, for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And what that means is they are those who come together to remember me and to worship me. This is, this is that. But whoever said Maya, good on you, right? Like, alhamdulillah, that's what we're trying to do. Alhamdulillah, Rabbil Alameen. Right? وَالْمُتَزَاوِرِينَ فِيَّ And those who visit each other and have uh, mercy, right? And help the, the ones who are sick. And they, again, visit for the sake of Allah. I'm not visiting you because I want something from you. And you know, you see this in, in cultures where this kind of thinking is absent. Whenever someone's a little nice to you, like, what do you want? It's like, what do you want from me? Why are you being nice? Do you want to sell something to me? You know, it's like, why are you trying to be so nice to me? But it's like, you, you, you know, you're, you're just being nice to someone for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Right? And, and, and you're caring for them. So, Right? These are people that exert themselves for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And they spend what they've been given for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Notice everything that we do, whether it's our companionship, spending, etc. All of that is for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So, given all of that, how do we answer this question? As believers, as Muslims, as people that believe in revelation, as people that believe, believe in the genuineness of the messengers, as people that understand that revelation enlightens the mind in, true, in reality, right? Friendship means to love others for Allah. That's what it means. And, and, and this means that you don't have any ulterior or selfish motives. You love your friends and companions in your love for your friends and companions. Being, what does this mean? What does being selfless mean? It means realizing that the entire, entirety of yourself depends on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that when you forgive someone or have good character with them, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will look after your interests. Even if other people don't. You know, when you, when, you, when, you, when you give something up for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala looks after you. 
And in contrast, being selfish entails only holding your own worldly interests in mind. You know, what's in this for me? Just me, and I don't care. And, and this is something that, you know, um, we have to keep in mind when making friends, right? That, and we'll come to it, inshallah. And not realizing that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one who sustains yourself. There's obviously shades of gray. There's, there's, there's obviously there's nuance here. Um, when someone makes friends and loves others for the sake of Allah, they attract the help and love of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala himself mentions, which manifests in Allah taking care of their needs and blessing their lives, life and relationships. Now, I wanted to move on to the third question and the fourth one, which have to do with... What is, why is friendship important to believers, right? And why should a believer has, have friends? Now, talking about selflessness, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He mentions, لَن تَنَالُوا الْبِرْ You will never ever get or attain unto bir. Bir is piety. Hatta until, so this is the jawab shout. You know, until, تُنْفِقُوا مِمَّا تُحِبُّونَ And this is specifically referring to actually giving out of your wealth. But the idea here is that you will never really experience what, it's, what it means to be pious until you actually sacrifice, until you actually give, until you come into a mindset where you're here to give, not take, but to give, right? To your friends, to those that you love. Um, and even if no one sees that, even if no one appreciates that, and even if people even think bad of you, no Allah watches, He knows, He knows. Every single thing, you might love, Something and you just give it up and nobody knows about knows about it except Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Now you have something beautiful. You have a relationship with the divine That's how you make a relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as well, right? Giving of things that you love and then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he also mentions so part of why should I have friends? You will never taste what it means to you won't not, you won't be able to realize the purpose of your your life until you actually sacrifice in your relationships. Allah Subhanahu wa Taala He mentions rasulun min anfusikum, and and this is something that tells us something about the the, the 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 character of our Prophet and how he used to look at things. Allah says rasulun. Indeed, a, a messenger of God has has been sent to you min anfusikum from from among you. So he's someone who is actually from your people. He hasn't come from, he's from you. And then, Azizun alayhi ma'anittum. He is avid for that which, which afflicts you, right? Harisun alaykum. Right? He is, he is concerned about your well-being. He wants to see you happy. He's, what's bothering you if you're, like, subhanAllah, you see in the seerah that um, some, you know, a, a girl's like, um, it was a young girl, I think her pet died, and the Prophet asked about it. And this is someone who has, who's a statesman at the same time, looking after a you know, community of people, but he's still concerned. Like he, people really love the Prophet That's what made his companions so attached to him. I mean, SubhanAllah, his, his very camel ran away when he passed away. And he wouldn't drink, he wouldn't eat. Bilal who couldn't make Adan because the Prophet hasn't passed away. They were really in love with this man. And what, why were they in love with him? Because he was constantly giving. He was constantly concerned about how can my friends and those around me be happy. Right? And um, this, is some, this is Sunnah. This is the Sunnah. This is really, this is the Sunnah. Right? Sometimes we, we just think that Sunnah is something just... Just like, just the outward, it's there obviously. But this is the sun, this is the way of the Prophet. This is how he was, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, with people. Right? So why is it important? We know that from revelation that believers are even more than friends. Even more than that. 
They share a kind of brotherhood, sisterhood, this kind of bond that is bound by a metaphysical, you can't see this, by the light of Iman. It's bound by it. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala also commands the believers, and we'll get to this in a moment, to keep good company. And another point, and to repair and improve and excel in their relationships with each other. You know, look, when we're speaking, when we're listening to these things, you know, it's easy to kind of get into this kind of like ideal world. We're all a work in progress. Relationships are a work in progress. You're striving. When you strive, you know, ihsan doesn't necessarily mean that you're already muhsin. I mean, that's great. But ihsan is this idea that you're wanting to actually become like that. That you're striving to become like that. One of my teachers used to say, he's like, watch out. Never ever say anything bad about anyone trying to better themselves. Because he's like, why would you want anything to do in terms of ghibah with someone who's striving to become better? Why would you want to say something bad about them? You should fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in that regard. And everyone here, mashallah, everyone's, the fact that you're just here is, is an indication of that. So everyone's like that. So, you know, the negativity that we feel, we just have to kind of, we have to focus on the positive side of, of, of friendship. Why should, why should you have a friend? Right, those who believe in God and His Messenger strive to keep company with the sincere and treat each other with ihsan. Um, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So now moving on to the next question. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He says, and this is the command here. Ya ayyuhalladheena amanu, amanu tukullaha wa kunu ma'asadiqeen. Allah actually literally, here, this, is, this is a command. Be with those who have sidq. Right? Be with those who have sidq. This is a command to believers. This is one of the reasons why we should have friends. And, and one of the reasons why I thought it appropriate to actually put that as a question is we live in a time today where oftentimes people don't actually want to have friends. We're, we're so engrossed in machines and kind of like technology that sometimes the desire to even have human interaction escapes us. It's another thing being an introvert. That's another discussion altogether. But mind you, for I mean, I have an introverted side, although uh, some might disagree. <laughs> My brother can probably tell you more about that. But um, the, I, the, the point here is that if you're introverted or if you, for example, don't wish to you know, meet people that much, remember something. It is, a sunnah, it is a sunnah to have as many friends among believers as possible. Do you know why? Does anybody want to help me with this? That's true. But let's say on the day of judgment, you know, I get caught. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Usama, you did X. Or you did this. And now you're off. You're going to get punished. And someone sees that, hey, Usama is actually going to the hellfire. And I'm actually going to paradise. You know, they can make dua for you too. And it's a really like kind of mind-altering perspective. In a similar way, you should also watch out for ghiba. We'll talk about that. Um, like, you know, backbiting people will take your good deeds on the Day of Judgment, right? So like backbiting people, specifically, let's say even someone who's actually really bad, he might actually even need more good deeds than a normal person. They'll come for you if they get that opportunity. So the afterlife is there. It should be part of our, our worldview, right? We should be thinking about the afterlife. So now, uh, the Prophet ﷺ used to have a young man who used to serve him. His name was Anas. And um, Anas radiallahu ta'ala anhu, he said, فَمَا فَرِحْنَا بِشَيْءٍ So he said, nothing made us this happy. فَرَحَنَا بِقَوْلِ النَّبِيِّ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ As much as this saying of the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم, أَنْتَ مَعَ مَنْ أَحْبَبْتُ You will be with the one that you love. Why did he say, say that? Why did, um, um, did um, 
unassay that this is something that, that really um, pleases me, that this is something that I find, thank you, um, that, 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 that I find uh, close to me. Because he said, فَأَنَا أُحِبَّ النَّبِيِّ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وسلم. Because I actually love the Prophet And I loved Abu Bakr. And I loved Umar. And I hoped that وَأَرْجُوا أَنْ أَكُونَ مَعَهُمْ بِحُبِّ إِيَّاهُمْ And I hoped that I would be with them, right? Um, for, um, because of the love that I have for them. وَإِنْ لَمْ أَعْمَلْ بِمِثْلِ أَعْمَالِهِمْ Even if my deeds are not like their deeds. Right? So even though I'm not like them, even though, so you might have a friend who's actually really good and who inspires you and who's, who's you know, mashallah, you find inspiring, but your actions are not like that. If you love them and if you, if you love them for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will raise you with them. And this is like a circle going back all the way to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. This is the beauty, uh, the, you know, the beauty of uh, this ummah, alhamdulillah. And, um, one of the um, one of my teachers used to say, you know, <clears throat> he used to say, "In lam takun salihan, if you can't be of the righteous, like if you can't be a righteous person yourself, um, then you should say fakun, then be fi qalbi rajulun salih, then be in the heart of a righteous person, right? Because if you're in the heart of a righteous person, then inshallah, they will think of you on the day of judgment too." And, 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 and that's why salawat, you know, sending salawat on the Prophet وسلم, and just having adab for the Prophet وسلم, is so important. That's why adab is so important. Some people are adab is gone. Adab is everything. Like adab really, like with the Prophet وسلم, having that adab with the Prophet وسلم, that, that this man came as, as, as rahmah for all of us. Um, and then um, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala also mentions, and, and I'm going to Try and conclude, inshallah. We still have some time. We have about an hour. Um, for my friends, inshallah, we'll come and we'll, we'll continue this. Bear with me as I finish. I've just gone over a little bit of my allocated time. So, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He mentions, The point I wanted to mention here is that those people who, uh, you know, out of ignorance do something bad, you know, and then they turn back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala after that, and they aslihu, they mend themselves, they, they make amends, they make salah, islah. Uh, this is what I wanted to talk about. Inna rabbaka min rahim. So my teacher recommended that I share this with you, um, and I read it, and I thought, you know, it's actually related to friendship. So this idea of islah that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala calls believers to do, it's a part of being, being friends, it has two components. One is repairing your relationship with Allah, mending your relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Again, it's a journey. It's not like I'm standing here and I have it all figured. This is a journey for all of us. And, and we have to, but we have to have, our, um, we have to have our bearings in the right direction. That's important. Because as an example, just to give you an example, the reason why I did this exercise with you is, is, is because in our education, generally speaking, within universities, within schools, there are certain ideas embedded within it that sometimes we're not even aware of. One of those is this idea that, you know, the true measure of what is right and wrong is your own self. It's called individualism. And there's also this idea of relativism, that truth is something that lacks objectivity, specifically with regards to abstract concepts. And, and as Muslims, we believe that it's, it's, it's wahi. 
that gives us that, right? It's, it's revelation. So, so we have to keep our bearings, our core, our center. We have to be centered people, right? We have to have a center. And that center is, is, is this. So what is the center? It's Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So every time, so part of be with the one you love is be with Allah, right? What does that mean? Let's do tawbah together. Let's, let's remember that you know, everything that he's made obligatory, we try our best to do that, right? Um, we leave everything that he said is forbidden, we try our best, specifically the major sins. We try our best to do that. If we slip up, we do tawbah. If we slip up, we do tawbah. No, none of us is perfect, right? And, 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 and yeah, and, and purifier, you can read this list, I don't want to go through it in its entirety, but you get the point. Um, moving on, the other part of Islah is repairing our relationships with other people. And that's the point that I wanted to make, which is related to this, is that one of the things that I could have done in this, in this discussion is, okay, these are the kinds of, you know, 10 qualities of a good friend and five qualities of a, of a bad friend. Um, but really, and, and again, Alhamdulillah, Allah has blessed me with some beautiful people that I have uh, been able to spend time with. One of the things they said to me is like, you know, focus on the positive things. And indirectly, it'll get rid of the, the negativity. Right? And, and what does it mean to mend relations? People can be broken. We, we, can, we can break. You know, And Allah subhanahu says, man was treated weak. Um, we're, fallible, we're, we're fragile things. Right? We can break. Our feelings can get hurt. Um, it can happen. And, and a Muslim is someone that people come close to and they feel whole again. Right? Because that person is whole with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, is centered with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So, what does it mean to, to mend your relationships with others? It means behaving with them as we would like to have someone behave with us. Respecting them and not criticizing them. It means being gracious to them by showing them a cheerful face, smiling, right? Sunnah, right? it's a sunnah, it's sadaqa, it's charity. Um, and speaking to them affectionately, keeping ties of kinship. No matter what happens, your family's family. It's, it's, a, it's a command of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to keep and maintain those ties. Being a good neighbor. Desisting from wronging them physically, spiritually or financially. Um, desisting from slandering them. Turning people against them. Being envious of them. Having malice towards them. Deceiving them and harming them. This is what a Muslim is. Right? This is what a Muslim is. So, alhamdulillah, I'm actually, surprisingly, nearly finished. So, um, what I wanted to do at the end is also recommend some resources. So as I was uh, preparing, I looked at some of these, not necessarily all of them, but I also wanted you guys to take something away from this. So there's a really nice book, if I think the PDF is online, um, you can actually get it. It's called The Duties of the Brotherhood. It's a section from the Ihya Ulumuddin of Imam Ghazali, which uh, you can read. Um, Shaykh Hamza Yusuf has a really nice lecture on the rights of brotherhood. Um, a lot of the stuff that I shared with you today was from Sheikh Abu Munir, um, uh, whose counsel. So one of the things he said, obviously there's, you know, nobody denies material, uh, material um, contingent causes and contingent effects. But what you have to also recognize is that this world exists through the unseen world. And, and, and our deeds have an effect. So one of the hadiths that I'll just shortly read, I think it's here, I was putting it in right at the end. Yes, I'll read it shortly. Um, is that why do we say "Audhu billahi min shaitan rajeem"? Why do we say we seek refuge in, in Allah subhanahu wa taala from Satan? Because Satan whispers; he can actually have an effect. Where is he? He's not, you can't physically potentially perceive him, but he's there. There's angels. There's a spiritual world. So um, one of the things that we forget is that sometimes ibtila, 
it comes, trials come. And sometimes they come because of our distance from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Sometimes, obviously there's no doubt, you don't deny the material aspect. But, um, so he gave some advice about you know, COVID-19 and, and specifically he talked about islah, um, worth a read. Um, I also recommend all of you, you know, find teachers, try to attend some circles of knowledge, specifically fiqh and aqidah. People think that learning Islam is all about um, reading Quran. Um, reading Quran is extremely important. The best of you are those who learn the Quran and teach it. But you have to recognize that there is something called fard ayn, which is, which is known as personally obligatory. Um, and that's things that are actually obligatory on you right now. So specifically, your actions and how you go about thinking, right? It's very important for us to actually clarify those things. How do I think as a Muslim, right? And how do I behave as a Muslim? Um, reading Quran and Hadith goes without any, um, any um, you know, Everybody should try to do that. Um, with hadith books, you know, you don't know if it's Sahih Bukhari and you start reading that, but something like Riyadh al-Salihin. You know, there's books ulama have written specifically for non-specialists for them to benefit and become better Muslims. Um, and finally, I think, and this is what I wanted to do with the q and I've, I've, I've shared a lot of intense material with you in that it's stuff we don't really hear about much. You know, this is the kind of Allah graced me and one of the, the biggest things I'm extremely grateful for one of the reasons why I'm speaking with you today is that, you know, in this world, um, it's kind of given an opportunity to sit with people who kind of shown the torch, uh, sh- you know, kind of sh- shown the torch of, of on these things. Like, look there, you know, look in these in this direction, and and I just want to say, hey, we have to look in that direction. But at the same time, we have issues that no other generation has ever faced. And what I really want to do is just bring this back down to to, to ground, uh, to reality. We, we we face issues that. You know, I haven't I haven't talked about yet, right? And um, that's why, like, one of the things I just wanted to say is, how is that going to happen? By hanging out, actually, actually spending time together. By um, and sometimes it just just means just just chilling, like seriously. Um, and 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 to be avid for the well-being and happiness for others. Um, and then asking Allah Subhanahu wa Taala always for afia, for tawfiq, and um, looking after yourself and those in your care. May Allah Subhanahu wa Taala give me tawfiq and my soul as well. Um, finally. My answer, where can I go find friends? Go where you wish to find the people you want to be with. You know, be with the one you love. If you want to become a rock star, go hang out with rock stars. If you want to become, you know, um, an engineer, go to the engineering school, right? Wherever you, whatever you want to become, you hang out with those people. Um, and that's why, like, if you want to become Allah's, then you hang out with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It's important, we have to have, we have, to have that time. And the people of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, they're always with Him. And when they're with people, they're also with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, they're with people. And, 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 and that's what we should strive to do, inshallah ta'ala. And how do I make friends? Find people interested in your well-being. And this is like, probably, I'd say probably the best um, advice. It's like, really look for people who, who care for you. And who want to see you flourish. And who want to see you, you know, one thing that I, um, somebody once, um, um, inshallah, they, they know who they are. But someone recently called me and asked me about, you know, what, why, you know, I was, I'm teaching a course and they asked me about like where I studied and, and why, why, you know, what my background is. And, and I, I think that's very good because one of the things that needs to happen in our society is people that speak, people that have positions of leadership, they also have to be held accountable. And um, we have to, we, why? Because it's very easy and cults and, uh, you know, and this is related to things related to shirk and, and, and whatnot. Um, false religions, there's, there's this idea of manipulating people. 
Islam is not about manipulating people, it's about freeing people. It's about getting people to see haq and, and go for it. It's not about controlling. And alhamdulillah, the, the, you know, um, I sat with a few teachers and some of the teachers that, that really took, took, you know, have a special place for me are those that literally looked at me and said, you know, you, a job of someone who teaches you, who does your tarbiyah, whether it be a parent, whether it be a teacher, whether it be a brother, whether it be a friend, whoever it is, it's not to control you, it's to inspire you and make you flourish yourself, to stand up on your feet. That's what Muslims want of each other, right? And when they do have moral authority, when people do have like daraja above us, then they have moral authority. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives that to them. You know, and that's what you, anyways, that's another discussion and we can maybe have that another time. But do the same for, for the others who care for you and um, you have a friend for life. That's something my friend said to me. So, um, alhamdulillah, I learned so much just for preparing for this. Finally, I'll end with this inshallah and then we'll have a chat. Um, this is a hadith of the Prophet, again revelation. The Prophet said, That um, a group doesn't get together in one of the houses of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala except that they read the Quran, that they teach the Quran, that they learn the Quran, right? Among them. Uh, learn the Quran among them. It's a beautiful word. Um, tranquility comes to their hearts. Mental illness, I'm not a doctor and this is one of the reasons why I'm going to bring out these guys who are doctors uh, to speak about this. Mental illness obviously has a physical component to it, a chemical component to it. But ultimately our Creator knows us better than, than we know ourselves. And being distant from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, not remembering Him, plays a role. But I want to balance that and, and kind of really also hit home the idea that being alone and not actually having human contact can actually make you sick too. Like it's a human need to have contact. But anyways, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, when you do that, sakina comes. And, rahma. Rahma, mercy enshrouds them. And angels come and they, they, uh, they envelop them. And, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes remembrance of them. You know, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in hadith Qudsi, walk to me and I'll run to you. You, know, Allah, you. you want to remember Allah? You know, Allah remembered you before you even remembered Him. If you, if you make a dua, He wants to give you something. Like the fact that you had that, that thought. <laughs> I, ya Allah, I want to be close to you. Who gave you the tawfiq to say that? Ya Allah, I want something. I want to learn something to draw closer to you. I want good friends. Who gave you that thought? So it's like, subhanAllah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is looking after us more than we look after our own selves. It's about really just like I kind of say, hey self, you know, you just sit on the side, let Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala look after you. And لا يقعد قوم يذكرون الله عز وجل إلا حفتهم الملائكة That a, a group of people don't sit together except that angels enshroud them. And we pray for that. Wallahi, think about it. In these lecture theaters, when people talk about chemistry and physics and all those things, by the way, we, we should have people learning them. But, what's the condition? You study, you seek, you do those things through the divine. For the divine, with the divine. Right? So, so that's a very important point. By doing this, mashallah, it's like a, lay of, a ray of light. Um, in a time like this. And that's why one of the things, and, I, and inshallah we'll, we'll get to the conversation, I think I, I, I need to stop. 
this is a bit of self-promotion, forgive me. Um, but, um, but one of the things that, um, that you know, I wanted to mention was that sometimes we're just too focused on things that are wrong with people and wrong around us. And we just have to look at everyone around us and just say, despite whatever's going on, you know, whether it's your haircut or it's your hijab or it's your salah or it's just alhamdulillah for la ilaha illallah, you know, and really just care, like looking after people and like holding people's hands, like, like literally, um, uh, like this stuff, you know, you, like I, there was a reason why I wanted to go through this Arabic, you know, oftentimes you come and you, like, you know, Saying Arabic things, what do you say? Like, like we need Muslims to learn these language, this language. This is your language. It's my language, right? It's the language of the Prophet So we need to do a lot of hand holding and a lot of things. So I'm gonna I'm gonna stop here. One of the things that so I'll just end with this and then we'll um uh, we'll, we'll 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 do this. I think this is what. So um what? So as I as I walk out with this health promotion. Um. So alhamdulillah, I am teaching. Uh, at UWA this semester, and um, I'm teaching this course of why Islam is true. And inshallah, I hope to kind of make this a kind of uh, kind of thing that I hope to continue. Um, if you're keen on doing this, you can talk to me. Um, and then one more, um, or you can register online. There's another thing. So this is for those people who really want to learn how to think about things uh, as a Muslim. Um, tools for thinking. Bismillah. Um, and it's, it's something that, um, if you have time, if you have an hour a week it's on Wednesdays, 5 p.m., starting next week, encourage you to come, encourage someone else to come. But this will require some dedication, goes on for the entire semester, once a week. Um, if you don't have that, or you live far away, um, Curtin just recently approached me as well. Um, I work full time, I, um, I have home family too. So I have commitments and you know, uh, <laughs> we're quite busy, but Alhamdulillah, one thing that I really enjoy and that I want to do is really spend time with everyone uh, and, and really learn from, from, from each other and begin conversations because if a community is to change, then this is literally how it begins, right? So um, yeah, if you want to like um, come to these, this is also there, it's starting from, it's going to happen like once in a while, not every week. But uh, we'll read and discuss things. You're welcome there as well. I'm going to stop now. And what we're going to do, um, Ali, Ramis, and Osama, do you want to come, come down, please? Yes, I want to. So, um, Osama here, Osama Shah, we both share a name, which is always good. Um, we're good friends. Just take a seat, inshallah. Um, and um, he's a good friend of mine. He's also um, studying with me. And Dr. Ali. Ali, he's a really good friend of mine, again, um, a doctor, and my brother, Ramis. Um, these guys are doctors, and they have some things. So what I want to do, guys, through this, is demonstrate something. Um, and that demonstration, essentially, is that we need to have conversations. Um, and I need to learn as much as everyone else, right? So I shared that with everyone, this presentation. Um, I want to hear from these guys about what is actually happening. And then we'll just open it up. So. Um, Bismillah. Um, they're going to touch on a few different things, so I'll, I'll, I'll let us um, start and then um, we can kind of connect. Do you really need this? Is it? Um, oh, yeah. You probably need this. Um, so I just I want to thank you all for 
and say, you know, you know, if someone invites you to some place that you know, you're not particularly comfortable with, you know, it's like, how do you say no? Um, you know, and I guess one of those things that what, what you have to do is just set boundaries. And it's about setting rigid boundaries, not just, you know, boundaries that, that people can push, you know, you have some of your friends that, you know, you might, you know, you can push so much and then you eventually get a yes out of them. But you have to set rigid boundaries. Um, and with that comes peer pressure as well. And peer pressure is probably one of the, the toughest things that the, the youth actually deal with. Um, you know, there comes uh, a fear of you know being ostracized or being out the door. You know, people might say like, "Look at this guy; he's a you know who is for like saying no to you know coming out to an event or doing this or doing that." And again, it just goes back to like setting boundaries and um, setting rigid boundaries as well. And the last thing is that um, you know we as humans have this inherent need to be wanted and accepted into. Um, a friend group, a family, or you know, stuff like that. Um, and with everything that I've said before, it goes all back to setting boundaries and saying, um, you know, and with, with setting boundaries as well. Um, something vulnerable about themselves with. 
in 2000, the 2000s, it was the, the average person had, had two to three people they could share something, you know, a weakness about themselves with. Uh, because everyone is having fun when times are good, but some people when you know times are bad. And the, the one that I looked at was in about 2015, and it said that the average person actually had no one, like zero. First people that they would, and that's quite a shift in, in 15 years, and you can say that sort of post social media where everyone is sort of putting their good, good side uh, out. So that was just a bit about loneliness, and in terms of like the mental impact, um, there's a couple of studies, for those who are familiar with sort of the scientific literature, um, there's a meta-analysis actually, which means that it's quite solid, solid evidence base that shows that uh, people who identify as being lonely um, have the same increased risk of like heart attacks and heart disease as smoking 15 cigarettes a day. So just that state of constantly not of feeling alone increases your anxiety and increases inflammation in your body so much that it's you might as well be a smoker. Yeah. Um, and that's what, that's like quite quite significant, like 30 percent increase. Um, and another thing that I wanted to share that um, uh, one of the same processes I was that uh, the, the health of our lives is found amongst uh, the weak, weak people. And what you find in hospitals now, or even people who work in the community or healthcare in general, is when you have like an old person come in, one of the first things you ask them is social support. Like, who do you live with? How many people do you have? Who looks after you? And it's so sad to say that more often than not, people don't actually have anyone looking after them. Um, and it's, it's, it's something that's, it's a, it's a real dire, you know, circumstance in the community when we're failing to care for our most vulnerable people, our elders. And as Muslims, alhamdulillah, we have in our cultures, in our religion, you know, respect for elders and looking after them. But this is just living in the West. We're so concerned with our own fires and our own sort of personal things that we're forgetting the most weak. And that's what we used to look at. If you look at um, statistics for loneliness, it's sort of a U-shaped curve where people who are young and people who are old, are the most likely, yeah, is it double or triple amounts of people that report um, low, feeling lonely. Um, and another point that I wanted to make that I think needs to be highlighted is that uh, people who have chronic illness, you know, developmental disorders, or some sort of, um, you know, ability sort of deficit, they're the ones that often get most behind. Um, and I think I just, based on everything that you said about, um, you know, being with people, loving them without wanting anything just make sure to look out for people in the community that you see that are vulnerable, that uh, are not, you know, they are involved, they have a disability, or they have some sort of health condition. You know. um, these are people that are most likely to be feeling a lack of connection. So if everyone could like, you know, try to increase that, sort of pay attention to that, I think that would go a long way in making our community a lot healthier. I think it would be beneficial to us to be more thankful and to also learn from the experiences of people. Um, obviously, people who have been through those kind of difficulties, they have a lot to offer. So those are the things that I wanted to share. Thank you, everyone.
my team sitting next to us. I know the classmate. I had people make this complaint, and it's like, how do I actually make a friend, a good friend? I struggle doing that.
had good intentions, but just didn't have the right circumstances to be necessarily like the, the best Muslim, the most practicing Muslim. But you know, despite that, they had the wisdom and I would say the, the emotional intelligence as well to realize that, okay, maybe this person has very few Muslim friends. Why don't we help him out? Yeah, why don't we show him that no, we you know, we went to an Islamic school, these guys went to an Islamic school, but this person is just like us. And that made an enormous difference to me because it made me realize that, okay, I might not have had the best, you know, Islamic kind of upbringing in, in a sort of academic sense. My parents, I'm sure, did an amazing job. But, you know, irrespective of that, I had these individuals that I could relate to regardless, you know, of our high school experiences. And I think that ability to relate to someone, that's something that should be developed, like, in each and every individual. And I think what it looks like in in practice is, firstly, knowing when it's appropriate to kind of give someone advice and when it's not appropriate. Secondly, learning how to be non-judgmental, essentially. Knowing how to not judge a person simply because of the outward appearance. That's extremely important. And being able to overlook their shortcomings and give them the benefit of the doubt. That was essentially what was done to me. And if that wasn't the case, I probably would have had great difficulty you know, engaging with the Muslim community and blending in. Because I was essentially an, an outsider. You know, how could I relate to someone who went to an Islamic school all their lives when I had no kind of experience of, of that nature? So that's really important. And um, like I said, pivotal figures. And through Ramos, I had the privilege to, to meet Osama. And, you know, I, I won't be able to do justice to how much Osama has, has, has helped me in, in my journey coming to that. And um, so what is the responsibility, the obligation of the community? It's essentially that, okay? Each and every person here, I'm sure you can just think for a few minutes and reflect. There will be at least one person that you know who not necessarily went from high school to university, but just underwent some transition where you know they were in dire need of, of Muslim friendship. Yeah. And so I think everyone here should recognize that each and every one of us has a profound ability to influence a fellow Muslim and to enable them to, to grow fond of Islam and feel like they can be a, a Muslim and, and be a proud Muslim as well. Okay? Everyone should should have that sort of conviction. Everyone has that capability. It doesn't have to be constantly, you know, bringing them to Islamic events or, or reading for that. It's simply being a good friend and being a good human, being nice, being respectful, being kind. And that naturally will lead to the other person being drawn into the sanctuary and be more keen to engage with, with fellow Muslims. The third point was, we, we talked about how you approach the friendship, the interaction you have, and this ties in with the concept of when it's appropriate to give advice and when it's not. In my honest opinion, based on the experience I've had, you should wait until your friendship with the other person is, is solid and well established before, you know, offering them advice about certain things they might be doing wrong, okay? If the first thing you say to someone who is in need of help, if the first thing you say is, look brother, you know, what you're doing is, is completely impermissible, like that is just not okay, like, do you honestly think the, the person is, is going to take that advice? Well, probably not, right? It's about wisdom. And the Prophet his whole life is a reflection of, of knowing when to advise someone knowing where not to or how to tailor advice they need. And the most classic example we can think of is the prohibition of alcohol, right? Think of the prohibition of alcohol as 
uh, a metaphor, essentially, for the individual who might be doing things that aren't okay, but with time, will be able to accept that these things are haram, and because of their you know, spiritual conviction, they will be able to give these things up of their own accord, with their own sort of sincere desire. So if, if alcohol was prohibited overnight, no one would have accepted this stand. And that's not my perception, that's the statement of Sayyidina She said completely, with, with, without any sort of ambiguity, Islam would not have been accepted by the people if, if their traditional customs were rendered impermissible overnight. Likewise, if a friend has to undergo such a sudden change in their lives where they're living a certain lifestyle and then all of a sudden they're expected to you know, go to the mosque five times a day and you know, be a perfect Muslim, that is not going to be feasible at all. So just recalling that fact and using that to approach friends and once the, the person trusts you and respects you and you know sees that you, you have their best interests at heart, that's when it's a, it's a good time to give them advice. Because eventually you do have to advise your fellow Muslims, that's an obligation itself, right? That's the concept of accountability that we talked about before. Knowing that your friend, right, because of the influence you have on them, they're going to be less inclined to doing things that are displeasing to, to Allah. And as what Sam said about boundaries, you will be able to influence the boundaries of your friend if that friend is already you know, on good terms with you and is already close with you. Yeah? So focus, I think focus should be on establishing a sound and robust friendship with the, with the other person. And then with, with Ramos's comments before, you know, loneliness, right? Loneliness. This is the biggest dilemma that a, a person faces at a university. Do I remain lonely because I can't interact with the Muslim community, I just can't see myself being a part of the Muslim community? Or do I go and, you know, hold on to the other friends that I've had through high school which aren't good influences on me? That's not an easy decision to make. You can't just say, well, you know, abandon your non-Muslim friends if they're bad influences. Well, what's the alternative to that? It's loneliness. And we've seen the physical and, and mental and, and psychological impacts of loneliness. So that puts a great responsibility on the community to go and find those individuals in need, right? It's not, I don't think it's necessarily realistic for someone who is struggling with the Iman to go and immerse themselves in the MSA for example. You know, you have to be a very strong individual, very great, great individual to do that. So I think it's us who are more able to, to facilitate that process for the individual. And alhamdulillah, um, I think all of the, the very positive experiences I've had at university, my ability to be a part of these programs, these lectures, these events at the MSA, again, it's, it's thanks to the few individuals I'm at university university. It doesn't take all that much. Yep. So never underestimate your ability to be the transformative factor in someone's, in someone's lives on a spiritual level. And think about that as every single good act that this person does, you will inherit in the rewards of that. So don't brush this person aside thinking, oh, they're never going to be a good Muslim anyway. Firstly, no one has the ability to judge like that, make a conclusion like that. Only Allah is, is able to do that. And, and by extension, think about the, the difference you can make to these individuals' lives. I'm sorry that I talked a bit more than three or five minutes, but this is something I'm incredibly passionate about. And um, I literally wouldn't be sitting here today if it wasn't for these people. So I wanted everyone else to go and appreciate that as well. So
this Q&A. Uh, we've got about 23 minutes to go, so uh, I want to be very careful. But at the same time, one thing I'm flicking over is, I'd love to hear something from um, our sisters and females. Anyone want to say anything, share anything, before um, I answer the questions? And I'd really appreciate it if maybe one of you could share about
as much as it hurts, I know you're at bay Because when you let someone, you know, some things, this is going to be a bit hard one to, to swallow, but some things, they're only meant to be in your heart. That's it. You know, and if you have uh, goodness towards someone, and it's not reciprocated, then in that is a sign for you um, with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because Allah is showing you the infallible nature of human relationships. And that one of my teachers once said to me, they said, when you see, when you when you when you fall in love, right? It's like this is like a spark. The real fire, the real, the, the real, the reality of that is, is with Allah. Right? So um, that, that's all I would say. And in terms of Practical kind of an answer. Um, I would always just say, like, don't put yourself in a situation where you're going to be harmed. So, um, if, if, if that is harming you and hurting you, um, speak to your friends, open up a little bit, or from, you know, find someone who you trust and share your your, your remorse, your hurt with them, so that you can actually process that and move on. Because if you put yourself in a situation where you're going to get harmed, the Prophet says, "You don't uh, harm, nor do you let, nor do you let." Can you be friends with the opposite sex? Um, okay, cool. With this one, you have to reflect, what have we talked about so far? We talked about loving others. This is a very good question, but it also reveals something that I think we forget. You love everyone for the sake of Allah, including non-Muslims. How do you do that? You love for them to see the light so that they can prosper forever and Every Muslim brother, sister, female, male, child, old, you, you need to have love in your heart for them. In that sense. Right? In that sense. When it comes to like 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 a physical relationship, then part of your love for other people is that you don't want them to burn in the hellfire. So if the Prophet taught us that there are certain, like for example, the touch, right? The, the, the touch, touching a female and a male, to, uh, like that, that, that is sacred. There is khurmadeh, right? For a reason. There are laws that, that govern that. So when when we say don't be friends, we mean hold yourself in that decorum of the sacred law. So if the sacred law says don't do X, Y, Z, you don't do X, Y, Z. If Allah, the Prophet said don't be alone, you know, you don't be alone with that person. That doesn't mean that you start becoming a weirdo. That, that's an also like from a cultural standpoint. It's, it's very difficult for me to digest that I, I work, I have a full-time job, and we have to interact with you know non-Muslim colleagues all the time, or female. And then it's like you talk to a Muslim um, female colleague or something, and all of a sudden, uh, like all these things are thrown up, and, and it's true that at the same time you have to you have that decorum, but at the same time I think we need to kind of um, yeah, there's a bit of balance there. And there's more detail, but I think that should suffice for the time. Um, what, have, <clears throat> what, what has been done for people in the community who are undergoing loneliness? Is there any organization for drinking them? If not, can we set one? Let's do that. So come attend these circles. Go attend. Go to the mission. Go find people. Like, one thing I will say, there's two aspects to this, yeah? One aspect, and this is exactly why I wanted the doctors to speak about this, is one aspect is, is actually deep, like it will incapacitate you. But another aspect is victimhood. Remember something, always. You can you can always do something about it. And one of the du'as that we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is that Allah, 
العجزي والكسل right عجز is incapacity كسل is laziness so incapacity is literally you can't do anything about it you're stuck in a loan you're stuck in a relationship which is going to harm you you're stuck if you're in a rut you can't do anything about it you just have to be patient in those situations you have to be patient but the point is the only one who can change your switch really Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala ask Allah for friends ask Allah for um, good company and then move right get up and actually go and get get some good company and and, and meet people and, and, and inshallah ta'ala we'll see if there's that medical aspect in that well, I just wanted to, um, yeah. there is a, an organization that, yeah. um, there's an organization that some of the fathers on, uh, it's called the Housing Hub, and it essentially just looks at like, mental health and, and, and well-being of um, like, people like us, you know, like, like the of all, all, all of us, so um, that's a really wonderful organization, both of you guys are interested in that, um, just wanted to put that out. Um, I'm just, um, I haven't forgotten. Please bear with me just for a moment. I'm trying to get through this question. Well, um, where do you draw the line in negatively influence uh, friendship in terms of trying to help them if issues that negatively impact you? You know, we, we again, that's why one of the reasons why I, I'm, I'm trying to get this content out. Um, one of the things that plagues our minds is this idea of materialism that everything in existence is material. The Prophet said, he said, the dua is the weapon of a believer. So if you see someone and they're doing something, you can't do anything about it, raise your hands and really make dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is a real answer. This is not a you know a standard Bible type of answer. If you're really struggling with something, you don't know what's going on, that's the time to ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He is the one who can change our condition. And then secondly, obviously, I would say, and this is why we're trying to have this dialogue, is talk, open up, and, and build a support group around you. Um, I faced a lot of, I'm not sure if it's appropriate to, to, to say this way, but I faced a lot of, I'm just going to say, everyday people who are fake, and they talk behind you, how do you deal with this inevitable? You know there's this idea in Islam of lowering your gaze, you know, um, when you're interacting with the opposite sex. Why? Because it, it's obviously the two fitna. But one of the things that the Ulama said, and I want to reflect over this, is literally we should try to lower our gaze from the faults of people. You know? um, I don't want to see anybody's faults because if anybody saw my faults, they'd run away from me. That is just the truth. Right? And greater people than I am. <laughs> I don't even feel kind of changed saying that, but like people who are far, 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 far more pious than I have said things like that. You know, and, and any of us, not that you would ascribe any form of piety to yourself. Um, but point is that um, we all, and in reality, are completely needy to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We need Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. At the end of the day, anybody that's going to help us is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. If you want to see fakeness, you'll see fakeness. If you want to see beauty in others, ask Allah for that. You know, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Um, he's the one who controls your very perception. And one of the things about the people of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentioned is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, they see beauty in everyone. And that's something that we seek from Allah, that Ya Allah, show us beauty in your creation. And show us things. At the same time, at the same time, this doesn't mean that you let people abuse you. Abuse is haram. Abuse is haram. Abuse is haram. Letting others abuse you is haram. 
is haram. I don't think it's against the sunnah. Even if you love them and you let them abuse you, that is haram. If you're in an abusive relationship, you owe it to yourself. More than that, more than that, you owe it to Allah. You're out of servitude. You need to step back because it's haram. And when you stand up, and this is very important, guys. When you stand up against, the tr- like for the truth, remember you're standing up for the sake of Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. So if you see something wrong, call it out. Um, and again, like these are not like you know all inclusive answers. Inshallah, it's good that we're talking about things like this. We should more. Um, Oh, uh, okay. um, how do I get over my social anxiety? Again, it's probably a good question for um, one of you guys. Um, you guys have a good one? So, social anxiety has a known category of anxiety disorders in psychiatry, and it's got like, a specific criteria of symptoms. So, it's not this abstract concept that a lot of us tend to think of it as it's a real condition. And one of the common treatments that, interestingly, it's actually mostly psychologists who offer, not psychiatrists, the, one of the most effective treatments is called exposure response therapy. Exposure response therapy. And it's similar to people who have phobias. Because social anxiety is pretty much a, a, a form of a phobia. Yeah? You get physical symptoms when you put yourself in social settings and you're uncomfortable you have a panic attack in, they call it agoraphobia. Yeah? So exposure response therapy, basically what it entails is being gradual, having a, a gradual approach to returning if you didn't have that kind of um, sort of lifestyle of being social, of, of putting yourself out there. And that can be done with the help of a friend. Again, this highlights the critical importance of friendship. Yeah? No one expects you, as someone with social anxiety, to go to a you know a sporting event or some huge you know gathering with hundreds of people. Okay? That's not going to happen. Right? So what you have to think about is how can I, in a, in a gradual and realistic way, okay, be able to be more and more comfortable interacting with other people. That can just even start with your siblings, your family, being able to make yourself vulnerable around them. That can be your kind of your initial um, approach. And then slowly introduce additional external factors. Factors that might make you more anxious in the short term, but they won't exceed that threshold that would otherwise make you like functionally impaired essentially and, and develop you know, unbearable physical physical symptoms. So that's the that's the idea. So it's just a slow introduction of, of different things. And I think honestly if you suffer with social anxiety you need to see someone who is professionally trained in dealing with these conditions. It's not enough for me to sit here and offer you know, a theoretical response. It's not enough to go to a chef or an imam. And a chef or an imam, they have the ability to offer spiritual advice, okay? and maybe even help you on a social level. But these are things that you need years of studying and years of experience to be able to assist with. So please don't assume that if it's a non-Muslim professional that they're not going to be able to understand our problems. That is a notion that we've spoken about like countless times already, so you guys really understand. That is something that we really need to correct in the Muslim community. Okay? So I call this a fundamental role to play. Thank you. I was just going to second that, that um, a lot of times like these words that make up 
thing in, in popular culture these days, so many different discussions in popular cultures, a lot of terminology that is, um, you know, medical, that is, you know, dealing with actual diagnoses that need to be made by professionals um, in order to receive treatment, right? Uh, it's become a part of everyday slang almost. You know, people use these words lightly. So if someone does that or if someone feels that they have a social anxiety, that's going to, that's a severe, severe, um, impairment of the ability to be amongst people, even in a place like this, can cause severe, severe sort of um, damage to a person just being in a gathering like this. So if you feel that you are undergoing, you know, going through this, or if you have a friend who you think is going through this, uh, please, please advise them to see a professional, a health professional, um, and not just carry on living like that because it, it's, it doesn't help anyone, it doesn't help themselves. So there is help available out there.
how you maintain a friendship. Recently lost a 10 year friendship. I was told it was because I did not put enough time and effort into it. Life is a lot. Um, yeah, it's hard. There's always two sides. There's always two sides of the story. So you may feel that way. Um, somebody may have said that, hey, um, this friendship ended because you didn't commit enough, commit enough effort into it. But it doesn't necessarily mean that it's true. So you can perceive that in your mind, but there's two sides to the story. So if two people are actually good for each other, Allah SWT will unite you together for the rest of your life. Um, but if at different stages you fall apart, it doesn't matter how much they matter to you or how much you care about them. There's a wisdom in there that you just can't see it in that moment. If they're good for you, Allah SWT wouldn't have taken them away from you. So if, they, if somebody's been taken away from you in your life, if you wait a little bit, you'll see you'll be replaced with somebody better. So, inshallah.
guys are looking to find social events, uh, social circles, and don't know where to find them, give us a message in our Instagram or Facebook, and we'll try to create a community and make some kind of event to do that, inshallah. I can turn it on. It's right there. Thank you so much for joining us today and I'll see you next month and see you in other live events.